Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation and is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. We invite you to learn more by visiting healthcareexperience.org. We really appreciate you joining us today and really look forward to sharing our insights to assist you in achieving your organizational goals. So joining us today are Katie Owens and Deborah Zastocki. Deborah is an executive coach with the Healthcare Experience Foundation. She has accrued over 30 years of experience in healthcare where her professional career has emphasized both the clinical and professional journey. Uh, she's worked across the continuum from clinical nurse to nurse executive. She is an author, academic educator, and a healthcare executive. She is truly an expert in the healthcare industry and an invaluable resource to our team. So we're glad to welcome her. Along with Deborah, we also have Katie Owens. Katie is the president and co-founder of the Healthcare Experience Foundation. And prior to establishing the Healthcare Experience Foundation, Katie served on the HealthStream leadership team as vice president of the Engagement Institute. And going back a little further, she served on the Baptist Healthcare Leadership Team in Pensacola, Florida, where she supported the system's sustained journey to excellence. As president of the Healthcare Experience Foundation, she is making uh, it her personal mission to assure every organization has access to resources for engaging patients and developing workforces to achieve results. One such resource is our CARES model, which is specifically designed to establish highly reliable patient communication, which is why we are here today. So with that, I'd like to turn this over to our presenters, Deborah and Katie. Deborah? Well, welcome, everyone, and we're so happy to be here with you. And again, we're going to be giving you an overview, but I hope you'll be as excited as I am when you have a chance to really delve into some of these areas that really create what I believe are significant opportunities for us to change our environments, both for our patients and our providers. So our first objective for today will really be to really look and understand this highly reliable patient communication and how that impacts what we're experiencing both in surveys and also patient satisfaction and staff satisfaction in terms of how they experience the communication and the interaction. We're going to look at our five big impact micro-competencies. And these, again, are correlated with quality and patient experience, which, again, is not nice to have, but it needs to have. And then, of course, we're going to be sharing organizational outcomes from this approach to, again, give you an opportunity to put this all in context. So let's begin with an objective. And, you know, the whole notion of patient experience is somewhat of an amorphous topic uh, in many regards. But the Barrel Institute, which is certainly a national leader, has really come up with the definition that is typically embraced by most organizations. And it's really the sum of all the interactions. And those interactions are clearly influenced by the organizational organization's culture, but each one of these individual experiences that the patient has throughout the entire continuum of care is really what ends up creating the patient's overall experience. And, you know, we all have different experiences over life and everyone comes to the patient uh, situation with different backgrounds and obviously our, our people who are providing care within the organization have these things too. So the interaction of these and how we can frame the interactions really will help our patient experience. 
So when we think about highly reliable standards, it's not one interaction. It's a million small little things that may not even be something that you're aware of, but all aggregate to make a an important patient experience. And as we all know, especially when it comes to uh, staff engagement, patient engagement, physician engagement, it's always excellent. It's every person, every time. And we may be very good at some things, but our real goal is that we need to get to excellent. So when we think about the perception from the patient's eyes, and I being one of these age 50 or older, you know, think about the uh, how we can become confused about what to do next, not personally confused, but some can be confused, but a large percentage uh, really are affected by that because of the overwhelming experience in a healthcare environment. And really, we don't understand this. We'll speak a little bit about literacy, but half of them don't understand the healthcare information we're providing. And even more frightening is 40 to 80% of the information is forgotten. And part of what is remembered may not always be accurate. And when we think about these uh, really issues about patient rights and patient involvement, 50 to 70% of people in who are in the critical care environment have had concerns about expressing their questions and being able to understand what is happening with their family members. So you can imagine this sets us up for a very, very challenging environment. So when we look at our challenges, obviously it's health equity and literacy, and it's general literacy as well as health literacy. And it's 12% of U.S. adults have is only 12% have proficiency in health literacy, which is an unbelievably small amount considering what we all see on television and the internet and Google, what have you. But when you think about the next statistic, over a third of adults have difficulty with just common tasks, like maybe following up with your prescriptions or adhering to a vaccination routine or a healthcare regimen follow-up very, very significant. And so therefore, in essence, everyone is literally impacted by health literacy gaps. And one of our concerns and our obviously areas where we need to be focusing attention is how do we improve communications to help to overcome that? So we have some good news and some bad news. Uh, the good news is that, for example, physicians feel as though they reported that 98% of the time they address patients' fears and anxieties. And yet the results from patients and families only believe that this occurred 46% of the time. So in this research, this came from the archives of internal medicine, it's, it's pretty significant. And the problem is a lot of people don't understand that our intent is always not turned into effective action. So why are both empathy and compassion essential? And as you can see through some of this data, we're falling short in the eyes of many of uh, our patient experiences about feeling that they're getting compassionate care and that you know over 50% did not find the system or the clinicians to be compassionate. 
many times uh, physicians, but certainly all others fall into this category, miss opportunities to respond with compassion. But most importantly, and this came from Harvard Med School, when providers have compassion for a patient, they are much more likely to be meticulous about the care, ending up with higher quality standards and less likely to make the major medical area. So again, this connection between the experience and quality. And we think about what the armbands of people tell us, you know, we're focusing typically on the left side, and that's where we're trained to about the records and the plan and the office visit and our electronic documentation of what's transpiring. And yet the right side of the equation is what the patient is coming in, their frame of perspective, their physical condition, their sense of what and of trust and mistrust of what happens in the healthcare environment. All of these things are coming into play. And what bridges these two sides are really the issue of compassion and empathy and how we effectively work with the patients and their families. So when we think about the frame of reference that we're speaking about, we know as employees, but also people who are patients and families, you know, everyone's having some issues with the rising cost of health care or their living cost. Uh, it's interesting that consumers now trust three groups equally, medical professionals, experts like National Institutes of Health, et cetera. And then, of course, aunts and uncles are equally important in this area. So, you know, it, you see where people are getting their information and their trust. And we speak a bit in some of our other discussions about access and experience and timeliness. It's all about creating expectations, but people's expectations are very much changing over the last couple of years. And we really need to be thinking about how do we work with them to set more realistic expectations. And interestingly, generations have different expectations the age cohorts, and obviously different types of um, opportunities for care, telehealth, public health, how are we working in these different areas, access to care, and the whole notion of health knowledge and consumerism. How are all these things coming together to influence patients' and families' perspectives? So the, the good news is it's a complex and dynamic environment. And we have um, really based on research that is evidence-based practice regarding ways we can deal in creating highly reliable and compassionate patient experiences. And we do this through the CARES model. And I'm going to turn this over to Katie to discuss the CARES model. Uh, so our CARES model that we've built at the Healthcare Experience Foundation is um, the compilation of over 15 years of researching patient, provider, clinician, and physician interactions. Each skill is intentionally built to create more improvisational encounters that exude empathy, empathetic responses, and compassionate action. And so we're going to review each one of these five skills um, as well as share some case studies and the application of these techniques in um, organizations and medical practices. The full model works best when we recognize 
the way that patients perceive their encounters. And, and when we can put ourselves in the, the perspective of the patients, it helps us have conversational agility to meet them where they're at. So we focus on, based on key memory drivers, the impact of that first encounter. How do we project confidence and build up patient confidence that they are safe in good hands, cared for by an excellent team, and build their confidence to participate in their care by reducing the power dynamic, by increasing their beliefs that they have valuable information to share. And then we look at anticipating needs. So many times we jump to the task. Anticipating first the patient's emotional needs then allows us to anticipate their clinical and safety needs. And then we focus on respectful communication, knowing that the majority of how we communicate are our tone of voice and our nonverbals. And so we look at nonverbal tone of voice strategies, active listening strategies, and then we apply health literacy techniques for engaging patients in care and process from clinician and non-clinician perspectives. And then how do we own that last and lasting impression by expressing gratitude and ensuring that safe transition? So let's take a little closer look at each skill and the learning objectives that we pursue. With confidence, as I mentioned, it's projecting and building up patient and family confidence. So we really hone in on the first 15 seconds to support building trust, reducing the power dynamic, and adopting words and phrases that make an impact and provide that reassurance. With anticipating needs, as I mentioned just a moment ago, we first focus on how do we anticipate that patient's likely emotional needs before we move into clinical and safety. And this is especially important in uh, the last 12 to 24 months when de-escalation needs have been at an all-time high. So many times we match a patient's fear, anger, frustration with you know, a technical response. And the more often, more frequently that we can acknowledge that emotion, it drops down that fear, anxiety, frustration so that we can then support them. And so we focus on techniques to reset ourselves in between um, encounters, perspective taking, the art of active listening, which is a national key driver of patient loyalty, especially for physicians and providers. And we do a lot of uh, very active exercises around em empathy techniques, narrating our care and making our caring visible. And with respectful communication, you know, this is the core of all CAPS um, questionnaires. It's also at the root of the majority of Sentinel events and medical errors. And so we uh, work on strategies for verbal and nonverbal communication, continued emphasis on active and reflective listening, eliminating words in our vocabulary that might harm trust or build frustration, and supplementing them by words and phrases that project excellence. So a really simple one is, you know, that many people want to eliminate are um, that we're short-staffed. We see this time and time again in our national research with patient experience. So if we can either eliminate that word or re replace it with, how can I take care of you? We reduce the burden and we build more trust. And so with engaging care and process, the fourth skill we really double down on the baseline of health literacy in, in America today, how to empower patients to participate in their care, how do we reduce 
language barriers? How do we reduce vocabulary barriers, narrate care, and incorporate teach-back strategies? And we integrate this technique with core bedside safety and experience communication because the outcome that we expect here is not only to improve patient experience and patient loyalty, it's also to decrease um, negative safety events and improve quality. And the final skill, safe transition, saying thank you and summarizing, this is that last and lasting encounter. So if you think about peak end rule, we really want to manage that first impression with confidence and then transition that last encounter. So this is a really crucial moment in the interaction to demonstrate caring a genuine appreciation for the opportunity to, to work with that patient or see that patient today or register that patient and assure a safe next step. There's different degrees of research, but a typical surgery patient on an inpatient stay may see up to 30 people. So we've really got to look at our handoff communication in the medical clinic environment. How do we manage up referrals for um, consultants, diagnostic imaging, labs? so that we reduce anxiety and we are we anticipate the potential cracks in the healthcare system so that we help patients more smoothly navigate through we also really focus on what do you how do you want to be remembered and how often does that version of you show up in those patient encounters and we also look at when we're at our best and our communication style when we're under stress and how do we demonstrate teamwork and continuity and so we wanted to share some recent case studies. Um, what The first here is a patient experience and loyalty certificate program. Um, this is something that we offer to all organizations. This is a medical practice example where our goals and objectives were to demonstrate commitment to patient experience for both physicians and advanced practice providers, improve the patient perceptions of their physician and APP encounters, make a demonstrated national improvement in the key drivers of doctor and provider courtesy and respect, listening, and patients' ability to understand and manage their own health. And so we wanted to equip participants with not only tools to help them um, respond with more agility and, and compassionately in patient encounters, we also wanted to really help restore joy in the practice of medicine as well as emerging, and you know, I, I say emerging in more of national attention. These are concerning legacy issues around health equity um, and literacy priorities. And so we conduct multi-specialty cohorts. We use scenarios and applied learning strategies. This is, can be connected over Zoom as well as in person. And we focus on the five CARES macro competencies and we team between our coaching team and internal facilitators so that we support sustainability. In this particular case study, there's six 60-minute sessions with really stringent um, performance evaluations for our team. We do post-evaluations. We monitor results. We can predict a minimum national percentile ranking of 10 um, percentage point gains for the physicians and APPs who graduate and 92% report higher engagement in their practice of medicine. And this is an additional one for a healthcare system where we started with an assessment. We looked at their patient experience and safety practices. We, support, we coached the senior leadership team to support this effort. We launched a patient experience council 
to serve as internal trainers and coaches. We provided leadership development to leaders to support this change initiative. And then we did CARES training for clinicians, non-clinicians, and physicians, followed by a train-the-trainer. And we saw increases in all the publicly reported um, HCAPS domains and are now adding an additional um, $450,000 a year in annual value-based purchasing. And so we have a multi-modal strategy for adoption. And at the end of the day, every organization is unique. And one of the things that we really focus on as a team is how do we adopt a practice that's going to work for the unique the uniqueness of every organization, your patient base, your community, uh, the degree of employed and independent medical staff that you have, your baseline of patient experience performance. And we have a robust training program that can be adapted for organizations of different sizes and, and, and community needs. And so beyond that, we also offer assessments, speaking and training, as well as coaching in our Healthcare Experience Academy. And these are just some of the most frequent ways that organizations ask for our support. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Deborah. Really appreciate that very insightful um, insight on the uh, CARES program. Thank you. Go have a wonderful rest of your day. We appreciate all that you're doing and caring for patients and their families. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. To learn more, please visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.